The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Today on Leaders Moment, we're talking about epic faith, spiritual maturity, and growth in leadership, if that interests you. Make sure you stick around for this special table-turning episode. Welcome to Leaders Moment, brought to you by Vision Voice and FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take this moment and use it to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews, stories, and more from leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. Welcome. If you're interested in going deep on some leadership principles that took years to learn and even more to distill, this episode is for you. And we're turning the tables. More on that in a minute. Here's what we talk about. Understanding maturity and spiritual development. How sometimes the test we see isn't the real test at all. How sometimes also we misunderstand the job description of a leader and the underpinning requirement for epic faith. We're turning the tables. I'm in the interview seat. We're going deep into a few of the topics I've covered in my second book, Anthologies from the Forefront, Getting Closer to God. If this episode inspires you and you'd like to take it further, you're welcome to pick up my book. The link will be in the show notes. Or reach out to me about our schedule of leadership training events. You can do that at scott at fxmissions.com. Also in the show notes. Hello and welcome. This is Scott McClelland. Appreciate you being here of FX Missions. I'm kind of a little bit different episode today as I am going to be in the interview e-seat to talk with my good friend, Brian Hensbinger. Hello, Brian. Hey. Hey, man. Appreciate you being on here. And thank you for like being the yin to my yang. I know that's probably not a very Christian symbol. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just, what I'm trying to say is that you've several times you've joined in with me in the fun here. We batted it back and forth a touch and this Time will be like that, but better. I feel confident. Well, good. <laughs> We're here to talk about, well, a recent, fairly recent development. My second edition of my trilogy, Anthologies from the Forefront, Going Deeper in God is volume two. It's been fairly recently published and been getting some traction. So thought it might be a good idea to get on here and give you like a what everybody's been wanting to ask. 
And by the way, I haven't seen the notes in advance. So I'm looking forward to whatever questions you might have. And, you know, hoping that that book does something more for you than prop up the leg on a short table, you know. Yeah. So no, no pressure, right? <laughs> hey, no pressure. I, I don't feel. Is there pressure? I don't feel any. I feel we feel good. We feel good. Thanks for getting on here with me. Yeah, glad to do it. I guess also thanks for a copy of the book for those listening. Scott did send me a copy of the book and I was glad to, I can't say I've read the whole thing yet. I did get through part of it, (laughs) but actually that's part of what I wanted to talk about because Scott has some really interesting perspective on what might happen if you're busy, but you still want to read the book, but we'll get to that in a minute. So Scott, are you ready to get started? I'm ready. Thank you again. Thanks for being here. This is unrehearsed, everyone, so it should be (laughs) sloppy but meaningful, I feel confident. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess the first thing, and this was actually something that kind of popped up when you shared with me about the book that you were writing as we were thinking Mm -hmm. about the leader's moment and all of the stuff that you have going on. Mm -hmm. You focus a lot on leadership, right? You've got the Leadership Podcast. You do some leadership trips. In fact, I think you just got back from one a few weeks ago. My first question when you started talking about anthologies from the forefront, drawing closer to God, was not that I want to discount the book, but why? Like, how does it fit? How does it fit? One of the ways I put the the book together, actually the trilogy together, been writing over quite a while. These three books, the third one being released in the January coming, really represent 15 years of writing. It's not, it wasn't last year, <laughs> you know, it was like 15 right. years of writing. The first 15 years was probably five years ago. There's a few newer items in some of the trilogy than that, but most of that writing is, uh, it's another guy talking to you there. you uh, definitely a version, a guy in process, like all of us are. But as I put the stuff together, as I collected my writings, I tried to organize them by sort of theme, if you will. But as I organized my thoughts thematically, I kind of had a sense of, okay, we're going to have this much of this, this much of that, this much of that. As I collected everything, basically we're talking about 500 pages. No one has a 500 page first book. (laughs) I'm well advised on that. So as I organized these things into themes, I I came up basically with five different themes. And what I had the most content on was the subject of going deeper in God. So we had leadership and missions, first volume, going deeper in God. So it was that it all collected up to be a volume standalone, third volume, religion and the future. So I was surprised myself to find out that I had the most to say about going deeper in God. And I guess it's been a theme of my life. So I wasn't super surprised, but I thought for sure, you know, this first book's going to be two thirds about leadership. I was like, I thought for sure. Also, certainly a third would be missions. (laughs) A third (laughs) was leadership plus missions. And, you know, and it was only one volume. So I guess what was going on with me was trying to get closer to God and trying to help other people who are in that process. As you're sharing that, I'm thinking about the parts of the book that I've read, right? And I I mentioned that I haven't read the whole thing yet. Right. But I think that what you're sharing about your, this almost kind of being your magnum opus, Mm. as I look at this book, 
having read books by Pat Lencioni and some other, mm-hmm. yeah. the normal, I would call them leadership gurus, for lack of yeah. a better term. This doesn't read like those. No. Right? This is completely different. And you you had some really good advice to share with me as I was looking at your book going, I'm busy. I'm not sure I'm going to have time to read this. Well, <laughs> what would you share with somebody if you're going, hey, this might actually be the right book for you? And I, I promise for those listening, we will get to some leadership stuff, but I want to cover this first because you're not going to read this like a regular book. Right. Some have told me it reads like a journal, like basically come along in the journey with me and let's give our focus here and there at different points of interest and different points of revelation, if you will. This book, like the first one and the the one to come, is really not meant to be read cover to cover. It's not this sort of preconceived point that I'm going to lead you up to at the very end of the book and all the stuff in between start and there is just leading up to that one crescendo. This is more about like snapshots along the way. What was I feeling? How did I get disappointed? Where were my struggles? You know, some of its dreams that I had, other things just being revealed to me, tests that I was going through, warnings that I got from God, and just also things that happened to me that I thought were valuable to helping other people get more perspective. For example, when I was in, you know, the center of Kenya in one of the biggest slums in the world and had an experience praying for some folks, it's more snapshots. And if you see the covers of this series, you see a bunch of different snapshots, a lot of different countries, a lot of different people in there, a lot of different expressions. I think it's uh, windows, if you will, of experience, windows looking into what I went through as I was you know, on this journey. I'm continuing on the journey. This is definitely, a, I think, a poignant perspective or, or a look in, if you will. Yeah. And I'll share that for me, this was the parts that I have read. This was a bit of a challenging read. And okay. I don't say that in terms of the, the writing style. I say that more <laughs> in terms of my bent is to yeah. read a book, cover to cover, get it done and move on. Right. And as I got about four pages into the book, I felt like doing that would be a lot like when James writes about knowing the word but not doing it. So you, you're you like a man who looks in the mirror and then turns away and forgets what he's, he looks like. I almost feel like you have to spend some time with this. So I think your mm-hmm. advice in terms of how to look at this, not a book to read cover to cover, not looking yeah. for that one through line is is pretty insightful. So as, as we move on to some of the leadership topics in the U.S. and probably mm-hmm. in most of the Western world, we are not want for people who would like to be in leadership, right? <laughs> I, I think that that's probably yeah. the most saturated market in the U.S. is the mm-hmm. leadership guru space, that kind of thing. But we are definitely in need of mature quality leaders. And I say this as a person who at one point aspired to be a leader, and now I just like I just want to be a guy, right? But <laughs> yes. you shared a little bit about some of the markings of spiritual maturity. And I think for a Christian leader, mm. this is where it starts, is that spiritual maturity. You talked about moving from dependence to independence and then to interdependence. Can you share right. a little bit about what that might mean for people? Sure. Yeah, I think it's important for us as individuals, whether we're leaders or followers, that 
like you say, our culture is kind of saturated with it. Who would be ever satisfied with being a follower? Wait, you have to be a <laughs> yeah. follower before you can be a leader. So, yeah, we skipped that, I think. But that process that we're all in, you know, the process of learning to follow, you know, learning to be dependent on something that comes to you from other people. We recently found a bird's nest on our back porch and there were little birds inside. What can the little birds do? They're just there waiting. <laughs> they are dependent on the one who came before them, you know, to make the process possible for them. And that's how we all start in our pursuit of spiritual maturity. We start as beginners. And as we all do, we are in a place where we're mostly dependent. Then we, you know, maybe you hit the teenage stage, right? I know more than my parents, or I know more than my leaders. I, I remember my middle daughter. Oh, man. She was taking notes in class one day as a, what would you call it, a middle schooler. And she said, I have more insight than all my teachers. Sadly, she spelt the word wrong. <laughs> but we all pass through that stage. It's a family joke now. We pass through the stage where we feel like we really should be free of these constraints. We're so mature. I know your kids are not teenagers yet. I don't think, Brian. But Not yet, no. As one who has three adult daughters, the education does continue. I've been, <laughs> my coaching is, it's getting better and better. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that. Dad's making progress. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then we reach a place where we are interdependent. I think there's a risk when we come to a place of interdependency, especially when we're not super needy, where we have a feeling where we don't you know, we're more contributor, we're more contributing that we don't have a responsibility to, you know, we can walk on our own. We don't really need anybody. We think that's a real risk, I think, as we're maturing in our spirituality. So God's at work in us. We got to keep that in mind. We got to keep pace with him. Don't get frustrated with the process we're in and just keep our eyes on the Lord. Wherever, if we've been doing this for five minutes or five years or 50 years, we've got to maintain that core of uh, pursuit of the Lord and following him, obeying him, seeking his will. These are simple ideas. And a lot of this is reinforced in the book over and over. That doesn't make them necessarily easy, as we both know. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering, because the concepts are easy to understand, right? You start out dependent, then you feel like you can do everything on your own, and then you realize, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, it does take a village. But I'm wondering, mm -hmm. in your life, can you think of a time where you were thinking, okay, not like, hey, Scott's arrived, but <laughs> yeah. I, I'm okay, I don't need anybody, and then God says, actually, you do, and mm -hmm. here's why. Like, has that happened to you? Yes, it has. I think there may be some embarrassing notes in one particular chapter. Sounds like you may have found it in there, but uh, yeah. I can neither I, confirm nor deny. <laughs> you know, I, I was thrust into leadership very young, far, I guess, more responsibility than you would. I would typically have at a young age. I was in leadership in my early well, in my late teens, you know, in ministry and youth pastor, all this stuff, many things like that at work as well. I was always 
finding a place in leadership, whether I thrust myself upon it or people thrust me there. I'm sure it was some of both. But as I went through that process, I thought I had it pretty figured out. I mean, I'm, I'm noticing the evolutions. I know the way this stuff works, you know. I'm, I understand what it's like to be a leader. Also, I understand how to be a part of a team, and I know all this stuff. I had a terrible rendezvous with ignorance that I didn't anticipate unpacked there in the <laughs> in the embarrassing notes, uh, it's pretty transparent. This book, I got to say that maybe too much. Folks can let me know, but yeah, I think the lesson we struggle with when we're trying to feel like we have it all figured out is we're coming up on a rendezvous. What we can't learn through instruction, pain has to teach us, right? So I had a pretty embarrassing situation where I realized, you know what? I don't really know anything about being part of a team. Mm. I know how to have teams that report to me and I know how to, you know, tell them what to do and follow up with them <laughs> and make sure they get the results and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. being a team, I, I didn't know anything about that. And no one could have convinced me of that though. Learning what we already know is going to happen in a painful way. If we can't admit that there may be something yet to learn. You can tweet that, feel free. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can certainly relate to, I don't want to call it arrogance on your part, but certainly it would have been arrogance on my part. Where I would call it that, yeah. There was a time when I was sitting in a church service and the pastor, it was not the church that I'm a part of, it was a different church, but the mm -hmm. pastor was preaching and he was not a great public speaker. And mm -hmm. I remember thinking, I could do better than this. And God said, no, you couldn't. You can't love these people like he does. I was like, oh, wait, I got the wrong job description here. Right? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like, and it was an immediate smackdown. It, the whole thing probably yeah. took 15 seconds. I've carried mm -hmm. that for at least a decade yeah. going, wow. no, I can't. I can't do what God hasn't called me to do. And Matt, right. that's, a, that's an ongoing struggle for me. And I think one of the reasons is because one of the things you wrote about is a challenge in my life. You talked about God being crowded out because we're following mm. other leaders as mm. they follow God rather than following God ourselves. Can you share a little bit about what that looks like? For sure, you're going to get me in trouble here, Brian. I feel I'm confident. I'm not trying to get you gonna... in trouble. I'm just picking the chapters <laughs> that stuck out. <laughs> Thank you. I invited this what would you call this, the, the gauntlet here? But no, that's a good question. I think when we're starting, going back to the process of spiritual maturity we we're talking about, when we're starting, right, when we're just beginning, we really have no choice but to follow people who are following the Lord. Not that we are not following the Lord or that we're just have abandoned ourselves to walking with someone else at the expense of our relationship with God, but we're, we're inexperienced. You know, we need to say, okay, what does this look like? I'm trying to, I'm trying to feel my way along. But as time goes on, we can get into a situation where we're so maybe into the crowd we're in or the denomination, the, whatever the thing is, the thrust or the, the stream we're in. That's what I'm trying to say that we start taking all of our cues or continue to take our cues past the proper time 
and Jesus himself gets a back seat, if a seat at all. I think the Lord always wants to lead us, and I think he always provides leadership to us. But I think also we we can be in a position where we're so used to this certain style of following, right? I'm, I'm used to getting my marching orders mm-hmm. from this guy or that guy or, or this stream of thought. And the Lord's trying to tell us something else. I know that's happened in my life, and I've crowded the Lord out of a bunch of times. You know, a lot of times Jesus has been at the far perimeter of my life, but I could all the while— I did a good job of not making that super obvious, right? Because that'd be, you know, everybody wants to believe, especially in church culture, they want to believe and project that they're following Jesus. And, uh, you know, (laughs) sometimes less or more, you know, I think we got to maintain that center core of our person as a disciple, we're finally responsible to the Lord's leadership, and we have to seek it, even if it leads us in ways that seem counterintuitive or, or it's not what the pastor said. I'm not trying to say, hey, let's run out and disobey all of our pastors. Sure. I'm saying at the end of the day, you're the servant of one. You're God's servant, and to him you rise or fall or you stumble or you struggle or you or you win or you conquer things that have held you down. We got to keep that central. And I think of all true believers, it's important to remind ourselves of that. So for that person who's maybe listening right now and they're going, hey, maybe that describes me. What would you share with them to help them diagnose what's going on? Mm -hmm. And then maybe if needed to extricate themselves with grace and humility and righteousness Mm-hmm. and move themselves into whatever it should look like for them to follow Jesus, not necessarily excluding everybody else, but mm-hmm. really truly right. to be following him. Right. Yeah. Well, I think we have to make sure that we are centrally responsible to Jesus. That's what we're talking about. And maybe we feel like, you know, you know, how long has it been? One way to diagnose there. How long has it been since you felt inspired by a scripture? I'm talking. I'm not talking about something somebody taught you or something that was part of your Bible study or Sunday school lesson. You know, when have you felt impressed by a scripture and you felt like the Lord was talking to you through that without sort of external mechanisms getting the verse to you? Pick up the Bible, read. You know, when's the last time you felt an impression from the Holy Spirit about something that was important to God that wasn't a part of a lesson or a series or something or your favorite preacher. Those are some things I would be asking myself, and I ask myself. I think we have to ask ourselves that. You know, if it's been a while, I don't think that's because God's not interested in talking to you. There's constant things intricately designed to distract and pull us away and, you know, all of those things that just the world and its systems and the enemy and fallen motives and all those things, I think we have to ask ourselves. We're going to know if we're getting closer to God by the kind, the quality, and the consistency of our communication with him. 
feeling his spirit, you know, having a sense of his presence. And in that place, humbling ourselves and realizing that we need that more than we need our next breath. So, you know, the first thing we can do if we feel some distance there is to repent. I think ask God to forgive us and ask him to help us. That's key. So you mentioned humility, right? And I think that's one of the the leadership traits that we like to talk about, but maybe not live out sometimes. And in particular, I was really struck where you had written about the temptation of Christ and what you kind of saw as the test behind the test. We're familiar with the the experience where Jesus was led into the wilderness, fasted for mm-hmm. 40 days, and then was tempted to turn the stones into bread and all that stuff and how that ties to lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. But mm-hmm. you said, actually, there was another test going on, and it was the test to choose to prove himself rather mm. than to allow God to prove him. Can you share a little bit about what the experience was when you came to that revelation? As you're reading the scripture and you're going, oh, I see this now. I'm not sure how much came through in that particular piece of the source of that happening. But um, as I studied and uh, began to know what is key, some key scriptures there that we learn, that we become familiar with, I began to see the temptation there in a different light because I think I was experiencing them, right? I'm talking about in the first person, you know, I I can remember one time I was speaking and there was, you know, let's just say it was going well. <laughs> I felt like it was going well. And I people were responding in ways that, that were gratifying, I guess. And I realized in that moment that I felt an offer of power, right? I felt an offer of power in this moment. Like it was the temptation, I think, like the temptation of Jesus there where it said, you know, I'm going to show you the kingdoms of the world or I'm going to give you power. I can make you powerful. I can bring the kingdoms of the world to your feet to worship you. Just, you know, with just one small requirement, you know, it's no big deal, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't think nothing of it. I think the way I became familiar with those temptations and how they work from a different light is by being tempted in that way myself and feeling it. You know, that's why I believe Jesus We've got a sense of like this sterilized sense of Jesus was tempted. You know, he was bulletproof. And, you know, was he tempted or or not? You know, (laughs) if he wasn't tempted, eh, you know, it probably wasn't what they were talking about. So I think we all have those moments of temptation. And it's a gift from God to recognize them in the yoke of Christ if we're following him. We're going to have the same temptations that he had, and we're going to feel the power and the promise. You know, we're going to feel the power of being infinitely protected, or we're going to feel the power of the kingdoms coming to our feet, you know, and a lot of people don't pass that test. I think I felt like that's what the Lord showed me when he said, hey, oh, by the way, what you were feeling right then is actually this temptation that I went through. And I 
felt like he impressed upon me. There's a lot of people who don't pass this. I was like, I don't think I, you know, I, I didn't feel like, yes, you're right. I felt like I know what you're saying, Lord. I, you know, it's a real temptation. And I think we got to be geared up for that in all of its virility. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good word. And I think especially for leaders or those who aspire to be mm -hmm. leaders, this can be yeah. a real concern, especially if you know that you are called to leadership. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to say that God can't raise people to leadership quickly, because he certainly can. Sure. But there are obviously shortcuts that people can take, mm -hmm. right? And right. I'm not a fan of the long path, right? When I put in my GPS to go somewhere, that time of <laughs> arrival, that's the time to beat. That's not the expectation, right? So I have some challenges there, but that's also part of why I've really backed off. And I don't mm -hmm. really pursue leadership anymore. And it's not because yeah. I don't want to lead well. It's because I just can't, right? I can't push it. And mm -hmm. wherever I get is where I get. And I guess at my age now, I'm starting to realize that, you know, someday I'm going to die and someone else <clears> is going to take my place. And whether or not I end up a footnote in history has everything to do with God and nothing to do with me. And mm -hmm. so just yeah, don't, right? So if right. somebody's found themselves in this place, where they're going, I'm not sure I passed that test. Scott, yeah. what would you what would you recommend for them? You know, it's going to be a repeat of my last comment. We all fail in many ways. I mean, the scripture is very clear about that. Spiritual maturity is not about being strong. It's about being familiar with your weaknesses. Your weaknesses, if you're spiritually mature, it's not that you're not weak. It's that your weaknesses are not taking you by surprise. So I think, you know, if we failed, if we got off and did the wrong thing or, you know, you know, said, yes, take me to the top of that temple. I want the view. You know, when if we said yes to the enemy's test, we just need to ask God to forgive us. I mean, that's that's the, you know, repentance from dead works, you know, the first step in the six steps in Hebrews that talk about the foundations of our faith. That's the first stone. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to, you know, be better equipped not to fail that test again based on the fruit. The outcomes that it produced are going to show you that you lost your way. And in that, you can, you know, God's grace is immediately there. The grace of God is there before you ask for the help, you know? So right. just ask for help and God will give it to you and he will raise you up. I mean, that's the story. That's my life. That's my story. <laughs> Mine too. Yeah. That's my story. I think we got the wrong idea too about leadership a lot. Leadership is, like you say, anything that exists for its own sake is immediately corrupted, right? Mm, I think good. about uh, Thomas Akempis, what, 13th, 14th century, something like that. Some of you, you know, may be familiar with some of his works, uh, I recommend them very highly. But he said, love everything for Jesus's sake, but love Jesus for his own sake. We love leadership for its own sake. We love money for its own sake. We love power for its own sake. We love pleasure for its own sake. And we love Jesus for money's sake. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Because <laughs> he's going to provide for me. 
And right. I don't want to be like sound arrogant, like we, you know, kind of were dressing down earlier, but I don't feel arrogant in saying this, but I, I think if we get that wrong, we have to realize where we got it wrong and just ask the Lord to help us. You know, the Lord's made all of that investment in you, even though you may have messed up with it. He's made all that investment. He hasn't withdrawn his investment. He's continuing to invest his grace in you to recover you from whatever you might fall into. So we got to love Jesus and only Jesus for his own sake and everything else. We got to love it with reflection to, or in view of him, that'll keep us from making something out of leadership or, or any of those other things that they shouldn't be. As you were sharing, one of the things that struck me, and this shouldn't be a surprise, but you know, every once in a while, I have to be reminded of stuff. You're talking about how we shouldn't be surprised when we're tempted mm-hmm. and that sometimes we fail. And I was reminded that Jesus was tempted and didn't fail Mm-hmm. Not so that we could fail, mm-hmm. but because we would fail. And so mm-hmm. he took our place. He took all of that stuff so we can rest in that. That's not an excuse to not try, right? right. To just yeah. kind of let everything go. As Paul writes, right. should I sin all the more? Well, no, of course not. No. But I think also sometimes there's this sense, at least within me, and I think I see it in other people, that I have to be strong, strong mm-hmm. in action, strong in faith. And you talked also about epic faith, right? And (laughs) I hear all the time, or I heard all the time, I don't hear it so much anymore, people Mm -hmm. talking about how they want to have the faith of so-and-so, or they want to have enough faith to, I don't know, see a miracle or throw in something there. But you had a much, I think, more mature picture of what epic faith is and where it starts. So can you share that with us? (laughs) Man, you're testing my memory here. I remember the chapter well. Epic faith. I think it starts out with the reflection that most of the people that we regard or that history, you know, gives us perspective or view to that walked in and had epic faith didn't have epic faith as a goal, right? They, right. That wasn't their goal. Epic faith was a result of something that was going on in them. It wasn't the goal that they had. And so to me, that, that it rings true. I mean, we, we have to have something that we are basically, if I understand the process, the way it works, God's inviting us to co-labor with him. He made us. He saw something in himself, Brian, that he wanted to emphasize of his goodness. And that's why he made Brian Isminger. That's why he gave Brian life, because he wanted to emphasize something about himself. And in along that process, he, at some point in life, you became aware that God was calling you, right? He's inviting you into this collaboration that aligns with the initial intent, right? The people who had epic faith in the past heard the call and responded to it. Some of them to wild sort of success Mm -hmm. (laughs) and others of them to obscurity and martyrdom or whatever, you know, sort of, I know I'm giving sort of the polar expressions of that and everything in between, of course, is also true, but we have to hear if we're going to be known, 
as people who demonstrated epic faith, it won't be because that's our goal. It's going to be because we heard God calling to us, inviting us to join him in collaboration for what we were foreknown. Grace was put inside of us to be equipped to collaborate with him. I think that's the seed of Faith, I remember those old songs. You do, too. I mean, we go both go back to the 80s. I (laughs) want to be a man that they would write about. You know, all this. Oh, a thousand. I'm not saying it's not too good, but you you get the picture. I want to be this person. You know, I want to demonstrate. I want to be in the next hall of faith or whatever. A lot of that, I think, comes from our insecurities. You know, we want not to be insignificant. God doesn't want you to be insignificant. The only way you can make sure of that is to follow your own way. You know, that leads right there into insignificance. So I hope I answered your question. You know, I don't know that there was really so much a question as just wanting to understand more about what what your thinking process was Mm -hmm. and where you were headed with that. Because we are an achievement-oriented people. Sure. And I don't think that's unique to us. I think that's... A common yeah. problem. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been one of the big three, right? Less of the flesh, less of the eye, pride of life. There it is, pride <laughs> of life, right? <laughs> there so they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's and that's certainly been a challenge in my life. I wish I could say that it's not still, but sometimes it is. Yeah, sure. One of the things that really struck me, and is kind of bringing perspective to this, is you shared that epic faith always flows out of epic obedience. Mm. Yes. And that's powerful. that says hearing that call right and i mean we i think especially as young people i was young for a lot longer after i wasn't probably i should have been older (laughs) you know but in my mind you got these dreamy ideas uh, romanticized ideas of obedience but i mean the higher the call again we're insecure in a lot of ways we want to feel like god called us to something big and we want to project that to other people Because we're insecure, we want to do that a lot of times, not always, but in that place, we don't realize the higher the calling, the more difficult the ascent, and probably the longer it's going to take. And back to your reflection on speeding up the process, or I want to be the best leader ever, and please can I have it in 30 to 45 days? If I can just do that, right, that'll be great. We don't realize that being called by God in a way that resonates deeply and has life-altering consequence, it's a process that takes us sometimes our entire life. Maybe we don't even we don't even see it. You know, I'm thinking about Abraham. What did Abraham's faith look like right. when he passed? You know, he had a son there. And thankfully he was listening when God said, hold your hand, there's a ram here. <laughs> that was an incremental part of obedience, you know? So I think we get the wrong idea. What we really want to have, I think the culture informs our sense of legitimacy in a way that God didn't intend. Right, which then takes us back to the where you were writing about the crucial test, right? Being approved <laughs> by God, not necessarily by man. Yeah, right. We, we've got to know that God has our we got to trust that God has our best in mind, and he's not going to minimize us. We have this feeling if we obey God, he's going to minimize us. He's going to make us smaller than we would otherwise be. That is one of the most laughable lies that we buy. 
you know. He didn't make us to make us insignificant. The enemy tries to, you know, the well, the higher the gloss, the thinner the veneer. You know, he's mm. trying to get us with something shiny. It's been working throughout the ages. I hate to go on and on about that, but I believe it's worth saying and understanding. A life of consequence is a life lived toward God and for his satisfaction. And we all stray. We all struggle. I mean, God's not surprised by our weakness. We've got to be mm. drawing comfort from that, not necessarily, you know, we don't want to be lukewarm in the face of that. We don't want to be like indifferent in the face of God's grace. But God knew what he was getting into <laughs> when he called you, and he also has the tools to make it work. And he's just looking for your yes, I think, your yes and you're amen. You're following on and following him. Nice. Well, I think this is probably a pretty good place to draw this part to a close. I have more things, of course, that we could have gotten to. But as I think about what we've covered today, I'm just wondering if you could go and talk to 20-year-old Scott based on what you've learned in the last time frame. We'll not give it a number yeah. of years. What would you, <laughs> what would you share with 20-year-old Scott? I would look at him and I would say, this is going to hurt. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, this is going to hurt. Uh, it's going to be worthwhile. It's going to hurt. You know, I I struggled. I mean, at 20-year-old Scott, 20-year-old Scott knew a lot more than this guy that's talking to you. <laughs> I think he thought so. You know, I, I think I would you know, just assure him of God's grace, you know, and that God's grace is going to be a lot more durable than you realize. You know, you think it's more about you than it really is. So take heart and don't assume that things are going to be like they were. Don't assume that your idea of the future, this idealized sense of the future that you have is going to happen. It may, some of it's going to happen. You know, you're going to have a family, you're going to have a beautiful time there, you're going to have a beautiful family, but a lot of the things that you think you want now, you're not going to want that later. So just follow the Lord and stay close to Him, continue to draw close to Him, and do it with malice toward none, with a an open heart, you know, in Christ's likeness, and this is going to hurt. <laughs> nice. Uh, did that surprise you? I'm guessing it might have surprised you. A little bit. But you know what? <laughs> that might have been the message for 20-year-old Scott, but 50-year-old Brian's going to grab that one and hang on to it, too. Uh, it's going to hurt. I can tell you. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we want to be deep people, right? Nobody wants to be obviously shallow, you know? I mean, except for the people who don't realize how shallow they are, of course. But deep is on the far side of pain. And boy, the, not too many tickets for that admission are being sold. Unfortunately, I was tricked into it. I feel confident. <laughs> of course, I'm joking. But yeah, thank you, Brian, for, for coming on and kind of trying to stage up, you know, an outsider perspective here on this content. I really appreciate that. It's, it's impossible to see yourself from the outside. So I really appreciate you taking a look at this and joining me in this effort to try to help folks understand. If they're looking for a copy of the book, if they want a signed copy, they can email me, scott at fxmissions.com. Be happy to arrange for a signed copy. 
just need to get the information they'd want me to put in there. And, you know, I'm thankful for this. I've always prayed. I feel like my writing is an act of obedience. And I've always prayed that the Lord would get the content that he's put inside of me to the right people. And I think this will help. So thank you for being a part of that effort. You're welcome. Thank you. I guess we're drawing it to a close here. I appreciate this. This has kind of been an unusual edition of the Leader's Moment, but enjoyable. I, I think, you know, I'm probably, we'll see, but my transparency <laughs> it might be a little bright for some folks. But, you know, it's okay. <laughs> Unintended. I meant no one any harm. I appreciate the chance to get on here and talk about the book. Folks are interested. Obviously, the books, both the books are available on, on Amazon anthologies from the forefront the first one leadership and missions volume one and then of course volume two getting closer to god thanks so much for taking time to be with us and also to brian for taking over the interviewer's chair for this episode my hope and prayer is that what we talked about has inspired you or spurred you to action in some way If you're searching for ways to strengthen your relationship with God, please consider checking out my book. The link is provided in show notes. Or contact me directly via email, scott at fxmissions. This is an email that I personally monitor. And if this did speak to you, can you do two things? Number one, reach out to me and let me know. And number two, Take out your phone and send this episode to two people you think would appreciate it. Thanks again for being here. We'll be back next month. Thank you for being a part of the Leaders Moment podcast. We also want to say thanks to Vision Voice, our sponsor, and encourage you to check out their website at visionvoice.us. Also, if you haven't already, please visit leadersmoment.org slash follow to have this podcast and future ones delivered to your favorite podcast app every time we publish. Thanks again.